Hello and welcome to Final Cut Presents Star Wars A Legacy of the Force, a division of DeathPixie.ca and Clam Jammers Podcast. My name is Nathan, aka Trapdoor Crabsworth, and with me, of course, is um, the kindest, most gentlest, sweetest witch in the history of the world. My God, is she wonderful or not? She is a combination of Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Princess Leia, Padme Amidala, and Rey, only the good parts, all in one. I can't believe you're having me read this, what the hell? Please welcome Miri Witch, the head of Death Pixie and the Miri Witch Covenant, joined today for Free Blood. This was a sudden idea, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. It, it really was. Like, you and it, it was your idea too you were like okay you know i kind of want to go through the star wars movies again see if they're um how i remember them and um me being me just thought oh my god that's a great idea this kind of special podcast it's going to be nine episodes at the beginning we're going to give like what we remember so before we watch the movies we actually sat down and wrote what do we remember from each of the nine and we'll give you our hot takes at the beginning of each episode so here's something hilarious so before we viewed it we ranked the movies and we both agreed on our first place and our last place. So we are really hoping that they do <laughs> not switch places. Oh God, oh we'll God. We'll be very upset. So. Oh, I, oh that'll, that, that'll hurt. Um, so for every episode other than this one, are we going to be ranking them or is that going to be done at the very end? We're gonna do it at the very end. So just, the, oh God. Yeah, and we're gonna compare them at the very end. But just so everybody knows our top one is uh five empire yeah and our last one is nine the flaming death pile what i remember of phantom menace um so i saw it in theaters as a kid now keep in mind both of us are in our 30s so when we say kid that's anything under 17. so <laughs> i don't remember what exact age i was i just remember i was a kid I think I was, I was the tender age of 16 and a half. <laughs> yeah, like I, I remember, although the CGI and all the technical aspects was very innovative, I remember finding it very distracting. Um, I have a note that says it was great to see the Jedi's being cool. I remember finding it a little weird, the age difference between Padme and Anakin. I kind of felt that they should have put Anakin as like a younger teenager and Padme as an older teenager, but whatever. So you didn't uh, like Cougar Town, the Star Wars. Yeah. Anyway, uh, also the other thing, I remember Darth Maul being really cool. And as a side note, I actually wish that the solo movie had been done as a series that then flowed into the story of Darth Maul um, because Maul ends up putting himself back together through spite. And I have to commend that. I'm sorry. Like, I just, I have to commend that being so spiteful. That sounds very you, though. That yeah, sounds you're, very you. You're so spiteful, you put yourself back together. So. That's what I remember. I do remember thinking the costumes at the time were gorgeous. And I know that they had a huge impact on me as a child, just seeing um, everything that was created. So that's kind of my hot take and your hot take. 
so uh, my hot take is uh, simple. I'm going to start off by saying I don't have a lot of nostalgic memories for this one. Um, so other than uh, episode one, Pod Racer, which was a game that came out around the time, I still contend it's uh, ridiculously criminally underrated. Um, seriously, it's out for PlayStation 4, Switch, Xbox One. If you haven't played it, Go play it. That's my cheap plug for the day. Um, now, I remember also there being a giant marketing campaign uh, behind this as the return of Star Wars. It was around 99. I remember a Burger King kids meal coming with a uh, Jar Jar Binks toy that you had to, you had to uh, put together. Um, so I'm hoping that some of it will hold up. I remember um, greatly enjoying uh, Liam Neeson as Qui-Gon. Uh, the pod racing and everything around Darth Maul, who <laughs> I, 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 would, I would say more about it, but I would um, I would have to agree with Miri there um, doing it out of spite. Spite is great. Spite's a great tool. Um, so, you know, the whole pretender Queen Amidala thing and the duplication I loved um, pod racing is awesome. Uh, Watto losing all of his stuff about when he's finally cheated. I remember loving to death. Um, but I also remember having to fight myself to stay away for the first hour or so. The fan cut of this movie, which to this day, um, Hot Take is better than the Disney Plus version of uh, Star Wars, which is what we both watched. Um, so I remember thinking to this entire movie, this is what happens when you give George Lucas complete creative freedom to do whatever he wants on a proven franchise. Looking back on it, if um, Lucas and Ahmed Best, which is the voice actor for Jar Jar Binks to be relieved, um, had he been received better, um, he was going to be a dark Jedi in the vein of something like Dooku from a little later. Um, and if Lucas had have directed Best later, better and tempered the energy about 10 to 15 percent we could have had a much better movie i think that the high points of this movie are generally good um but i do remember fighting myself to sleep through the first hour so i wasn't too hyped to start this off i really wasn't i was regretting my life choices <laughs> okay so jumping off of that i am gonna say that a lot of our opinions kind of didn't change on rewatch and we're going to kind of no. go through this a little bit chronologically through the movie, but we're not going minute by minute. We're not doing that. Just sort of when our ideas came up in the movie. Um, what I will say is, and you're going to notice this in the whole series, is I will have what I call out of left field choices that they could have done to make this entertaining for me, but would have made no sense. So Miri's creative choice that would have made no sense, but would have made it more entertaining is... You recast Natalie Portman as gangster rap Natalie Portman. Ah, and I'm actually the, behind this one. So the, the whole thing would have been done in one, all three of them would have been done in one movie. And we would have gotten gangster rap Natalie Portman in a broken bottle lightsaber fight. And there would have been like no no shit taken. The pod racer scene, as much as we love it, wouldn't have happened because she would have been like, fuck you, Watto, I take what I want, bitch. Like, hey, why would you do that to me? Why are you taking my bottle? What the oh. hell? Like Annie's mother, would she have been left behind? Hell 
no. She would have busted in there and gotten her out. The slaves would have been freed. Um, do you think the trade war would have happened? No, she would have shown oh. up at Senate and blown the whole thing up like that. So the whole whole trilogy would not have happened. But but it would have been entertaining. So and that is how we're going to start each of these. Oh, is, God. Um, our hot takes and then my weird fucking theory to make it entertaining not good just wildly entertaining so what do you think of that um i'm i'm a huge fan of gangsta portman i'm just gonna say it if you haven't seen the snl sketch i hadn't seen it in years and then miri showed it to me and i'm like oh my god this is great like um i i especially shout out to the sequel that they did where she was like Say something nice about Jar Jar Binks, bitch. <laughs> like, it was just great. Already you're trying to defend your favorite character in all of Star Wars, Jar Jar. <laughs> I mean, she was holding a gun to the head of, like, an interviewer in that video. It was hilarious. Um, but yeah, so that's... Um, in an alternate universe, Nathan is currently watching that version of the movie, laughing his ass off. Oh God! Oh my God! I I I legitimately would not know what to do with myself in that movie. I actually have a question: Would that movie be longer, or would you no. try to get everything done in two hours? Oh oh no! Gangster rap Natalie Portman gets shit done. Like it would be done in thirty minutes. You would have no idea what happened. You would have no idea where you are in time. You just you'd just be along for the trip, and when it was over, you'd be like, "What the fuck happened?" That's what oh it would be. <laughs> That's what it would be. Um, so starting off, opening from the movie. And I have to say, this is my own bias. And Nathan and I have talked about this back and forth. The technical achievements of the prequel series in terms of mocap and the digital animation, the yes. landscapes, all of that stuff are amazing. The reason yeah. why we have Andy Serkis and his basically love letter to mocap that is his um, Planet of the Apes trilogy is because of the technological achievements that occurred in this prequel series. That being said, I felt that they went for quantity to show the scale that they could do this on versus quality. And the moment the droids appear on screen in the opening, I am completely oh, out of it. The are you ta that you're happens. talking the useless battle droids, right? Yeah, the battle. The second they the, appear, the, I'm completely pulled out. And that is the, that the is my ones own were bias. Like, yeah, the ones were. Um, Neeson and uh, Ewan McGregor are going through and they're like slicing through as if it's like, yes, this is Basar. Okay, here we go. With no energy whatsoever and they're falling. I, yeah. And we'll, we'll yeah. get to, we'll get to the, the, um, the pitfalls of a green cube style of filming <laughs> and acting. But off the bat, that was, I was just like, the second that happened, and it is my own bias. If I can, if it's not artistically done CGI, or if it's not like very realistic, it instantly pulls me out of the storytelling. So that was my struggle with this entire movie, starting from those battle droids. So I can, um, I will uh, agree with you to an extent. 
um, because I'm agreeing with you, mocap, animation, everything it's done there was really well done. Um, the one place that I'm not going to necessarily agree with you is it depends on which animation you're looking at. I still contend that Jar Jar Binks is good animation because of the comments of, and I know you're looking at me like that, like, oh my God, I'm going to kill you. But in terms of animation and what you're able to do with him specifically, um, everything that he's able to do, he's able to emote, he's able to make sudden, like sudden subtle movements. He's able to attempt to uh, move his hand and um, attempt to influence him. I'm of the belief that Jar Jar Binks was set up to be a Sith Lord. I know you're not, but I'm just going to say out there right now, Jar Jar Binks was set up to be a Sith Lord and had he have done it, it would have been great. I will get into the pitfalls why that didn't happen when you get to it, I'm sure. Um, but when it comes to stuff like the battle droids and um, well, even some of the work on the Gungans not named Jar Jar Banks and the landscapes you were talking about, and especially the vehicles. Um, yes, that actually, I lied. The droids was what confirmed my feeling. That initial spaceship vehicle was what started my feeling. Yeah, so um, mine was, uh, I know we're not there yet, but Battle of Kamino. The, the Gungans versus um, the Separatist movement, all the droids, all the vehicles. Ten technically, I'm sure it's great for 99. It did not age well, not no. even close. Well, and that that's what I mean when I say, I felt they went for quantity over quality. If they had used um, a combination of models and CGI, if yeah. they really, really wanted Jar Jar to showcase what they could do, put the money and the effort into Jar Jar and then have actual sets, have models, act those landscapes could have all been realistically filmed yeah. and then populated. Yes, I'm sure there are a ton of technical nerds who are going to be like, well, at the time, blah, blah, blah. I get it. We're just saying it it was a quantity over a quality choice. I understand why they did it, but also it doesn't age well at all. No, it doesn't. I like I um, like I said, when Nathan mentioned that I was thinking back on the animation of Jar Jar, it is really good. But once it's been rendered and everything, he still sticks out like a sore thumb. And again, I go back to put have put the effort into a few key things to really showcase and really make that that quality thing um but again hindsight's 2020 you know yeah um i did have a question for you oh me okay i did so at the very beginning uh qui-gon and obi-wan do force running and then we never see it again and I so, feel like, not to jump ahead, but I feel like the ending <laughs> with Qui-Gon's death, I'm not doing a spoiler alert, because if you're listening to this, you've seen the movies. Um, oh, and if you haven't, um, please note, there will be spoilers. So <laughs> we hope that you understand, and we are sorry if you don't, but there will be spoilers. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this is this is where we're kind of going to jump. I was like, so there was force running in the very beginning that we see for maybe two seconds. Qui-Gon's death didn't have to happen if they just did the force running again. 
So I'm not uh, you as the local Star Wars aficionado. Maybe you can explain this to me, or maybe it's just it was a poor story choice. So, so I'm going. I'm going to uh, say first and foremost, the Force Run, the Force Jump, but like a whole bunch of those other things um, were used in um, various sequel movies and especially the games. You got to see more of the Force Run especially in uh, Battlefront, Battlefront 2, well, especially Battlefront 2. Um, shout out to LucasArts and Pandemic. That's a fantastic game. Um, but in terms of Qui-Gon's death, here, here's, a, here's the thing about that whole scene. Where would there have been for Qui-Gon to run? Because in order to really do- Oh no, I was, refer- than- I was referring to Obi-Wan. Okay, Obi-Wan was stopped by ray shields and elevators. Well, why so. didn't he, when the ray shields open, force run through? Because he would have gotten there. That was my question, and I don't oh. understand it. Um, well, for, first of all, he was blocked off. Bef- like, he was blocked off when Qui-Gon was stabbed. Okay, I get your point. However, yeah. force field thing goes up, then it cancels. All Obi-Wan had to do was force run through because let's be realistic, at his normal running pace, he got blocked by the final force field. So had he done force running, he wouldn't have been blocked by that, he would have joined. Would he Would he have been affected by his feelings whatsoever? Because- Oh um, my God, this is just turning into an Oprah the, session the, and I will the not only, have it. <laughs> the, only th- the only thing I, I'm saying though, is if he was going to be affected by force run, which by the way, requires a lot of focus and it's very difficult to pull off if you are a Jedi. Um, if if he's unable to do that because he's worried about his master, then he would not have been able to do it. I do see your point though, I really do, because you're right on that level. I'm just trying to understand from a story perspective why you wouldn't be able to do that. And the best thing I've got is if his emotions are not in check, if he's not focused on that singular goal, then I do not believe he'd be able to do it. Fine. 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 I'll accept that very loose, loose explanation. Yeah, yeah call it, it, it is loose. It is, it's a, it is it's loose. A loose explanation. I, I openly admit. Um, I openly admit it's loose. So at this point, we, we've talked about the, the kind of CGI overall and how it holds up. The story's moving. I'm getting pulled out of it because I can notice the CGI, which I knew was going to happen. Nathan, child Nathan is falling I'm, asleep. Um, yep, and then I'm getting, adult Nathan is getting pulled out of it because he genuinely thinks that Donald Trump had more dignity in class than the separatist movement in general with the droids when it came to the trade war. Because it, it basically boiled down to well, we, we, we want to have a trade war, but the queen won't sign the declaration to make it legal to have a trade war. Oh my God, then we'll just kidnap the queen and force her to sign. Oh my God, that'll make it legal. Oh my God, everything we're going to do is nice and legal. We're going to take over, hooray. No. Yeah, but, but before, and here's the thing. I want to get to that, but that's tied into when we meet, um, Spoiler alert, uh, the the ambassador from Naboo is Palpatine. Um, so when we, and we will be referring to him as Palpatine. Um, I love you, Palpatine! 
Yeah. When we get to Palpatine is when I want to cover that because I, yeah. as I was watching and listening, I suddenly went, oh my God, I understand the entire plot line behind the three movies. It was executed poorly, but I understand what they were going for. So I, are you okay if we like get to that, that then? That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. What I am going to talk about though is... So there are two aspects of this movie that come up a lot in in media and in the fan base and stuff. And one of them is right now, it's Jar Jar and his entire yeah. race of people. And on what I was a kid without context of critical race theory, history, all of this stuff watching it. So to me, I was like, these are funny voices. Nobody actually talks like this. Now that I'm older, yeah, poor poor choices. Um, oh, yeah. Also, you could have had them talking in, I can't remember what the dialect was. You could have had them talking the dialect without the toilet humor that was pu- very explicitly meant to to appeal to children eight and under. But to he me, it was just, that. yeah, it was just lazy. Like a lot of the, the reason why I'm like, I want to believe Jar Jar was supposed to be a Sith Lord, but I can't is because... it's the writing doesn't there's no subtlety there's there's nothing to indicate that this is an act but there's there's subtlety in his animations yeah indicate that that's but again i link on to it's kind of putting on a yeah it's kind of he's putting on a face physicality yeah it's just kind sorry you keep going no no no. (laughs) baby oh yeah there there are there are several things that is done in the animation to suggest that Jar Jar is a Sith Lord. Um just from him looking around it. You remember when he's uh I jump I know I'm jumping ahead. I'm gonna be doing that a lot. He was uh strangled by Sebulba and he is just hanging on until Anakin gets there, and then he makes a subtle movement with his hand just slightly after. That is a that is animation, that is mocap. You can do anything you want to manipulate that. The instant he does this, Sebulba drops. Sebulba drops him, he is safe, he is fine. If you're putting on a face, if you're putting on a front and you have got a front and it's similar to what Yoda did and it's executed very poorly, I might add. Um, But if you're putting on a front of just this crazy, silly, happy-go-lucky guy with sinister intentions, especially in a trilogy where you openly have plans for him to the point where in dialogue you say, or in interviews you say, Jar Jar's the key to all of this, which we'll get into why that's dumb. But, but it, it, you're right, though. It's not executed well enough. No, and I think, it's, it's not. And no. I think that that becomes the crux of our issue with the movie is that there are good ideas, there are good things happening but it's not executed well enough and that that's kind of the crux of the whole thing that we're talking about but yeah to touch on because i know also the um the trade lord leaders had i didn't realize it when i was a kid but now that i'm older and i've been exposed more it is a very obviously stereotypical asian accent um Oily, what would make you say that yeah and it's just i we're not going to get into it because uh, there's so many people who are more better equipped, more eloquent, who have written Absolutely. essays on it. But it is something to just acknowledge that like and there, I did come away from the movie being like, 
Is there a reason why George Lucas makes all of his quote unquote indigenous characters kind of dumb? Like it's, that's what I came away from it with. And again, there are way smarter people than us, way better educated people than us who have written essays on this more eloquently. And if you're more interested in that, we encourage you to look at that. But we did just want to acknowledge that that little yes. point that like yeah. viewing as an adult with all the knowledge and the context and everything, it's like, oh, that uh, to say that didn't age well is a, a bit of an understatement. <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, okay, so what I do want to stop and say is the score is fantastic. Yes. The score is fantastic. It actually takes where the script fails the story, the score actually makes up for it. Like the score is doing a lot of heavy lifting with the emotional aspect of of the film. Um, especially when we talk about Anakin and his mom saying goodbye, uh, which we will get to. Um, the costumes, where there is physical makeup, where um, even though the animation and the visual effects do not hold up, the choices like Nathan the was saying. Animation the animation does hold up. I'm sorry. I, sorry, sorry. The nuts and bolts the, of the animation does. Yes. The yeah. rendering of the yeah. look does not. Yeah. Um, okay, we can agree to that. I'll agree to we'll that. Se- we'll separate that out. Like, there's a there's a lot here that's really good. Um, shout out to the costume people, all the technical people. Even though the work didn't hold up, you did an amazing job. Uh, costumes, makeup, any practical sets were beautifully done as well. Shout out um, to Ben Burton, sound design too. Yeah, sound design as well was just beautiful. Um, apparent. I don't know if this is true, but I heard that Ewan McGregor did have a problem with making the warm, warm, warm sounds. So kudos to sound if they had to get rid of that. <laughs> Which, let's admit it, all of us would have done it. All yeah, of us would have done exactly. that. And, and here, here's the thing I will say about Ewan McGregor. His performance was really green in this movie, as was everyone who wasn't Ian McDermott, uh, Anthony Daniels, Kenny Baker or Liam Neeson, but he looked like he was having fun. And especially yes. as we go further and further in, just watch Ewan McGregor as he gets more and more comfortable with what he's doing. He he genuinely has fun as Obi. And, and that that actually bounces me off, but finish your thought. <laughs> no, that was the end of my thought. Oh, okay. He genuinely has a lot of fun. And so, so does a lot of people. One of the major complaints is the stiff acting. And I think what's important to remember is this is probably one of the first times we have the introduction of green box acting where they are in a green box. There is nothing. They could be acting to a tennis ball for all you know, um, which is challenging, especially for people who do not have extensive theater experience. Yeah. Um, and you really see this exemplified with the young actors, the inexperienced actors, um, especially when we start getting into, and we will be getting into this, um, Anakin as well as the other children. Um, because at first you're like, ugh, 
Jake's acting, but there is a scene where they have all the kids. Every single one of those kids is acting and delivering the exact same. So I don't know who the coach was. I don't know what direction they got, but I feel that that kind of exemplified the challenges of being in a green box. I I look at I look at the Jake Lloyd thing as a pure product of Lucas' direction. Um, Lucas has never been able to direct children all that well, and we're going to see that um, as the franchise goes along. Um, There are times in the movie, um, particularly when Anakin is with more experienced actors like Liam Neeson in particular, where he's a lot more tolerable. Um, Look into those and it works a heck of a lot better. Uh, and part of the reason why Jar Jar works better is because Ahmed Best was in the mocap suit for all of those scenes. You were not acting with a tennis ball when it came to Jar Jar Binks. Um, At all. You know what? And, you know, we'll, let's just actually go into Anakin, like overall Please, Anakin yeah, yes. in this movie. Um, <laughs> I actually came out of watching this movie angry, like, and I don't normally get yeah. like that, but I was sort of like, Jake was young. Jake was green. Jake was put up on this pedestal. He didn't have a director who was kid friendly. If he had an acting coach, there was no acting coach that was kid friendly. There wasn't enough guidance given to work with a lot of the challenges of green box acting or the nuance. What it does do is there's, um, you're, you're not getting It really, what it does do is it exemplifies the stiffness of the script. The script and how it comes off is very much dependent upon the actor's interpretation and performance. And when you give it to a less, I I think Jake had almost no experience before he came into this. He was in, um, he was in uh, two movies before this. But nothing on this scale. No, not, not, nothing on the scale of Star Wars. I should have to look it up. I think, um, yeah, was um, it Jingle All the Way? Yeah, so just where he would play a precocious, your generic precocious kid, your generic precocious kid. Yeah. Whereas what was needed was somebody who, if they didn't naturally understand the nuance, had a good coach who understood yeah. it and could get that performance out. And I was actually very angry by the disservice they did to a kid. I want to emphasize. I don't care what you think of him now. He was a kid who was dealt a very big disservice by having, to me, almost no direction. And I actually came out of it really angry. Um, In terms of, and I think the poor writing is exemplified by the goodbye scene between Anakin and his mother, because I can't feel any emotion between the two of them. The score is doing all of the emotional lifting for me there. Um, Anakin flows weirdly between super happy, this is great, to oh no, to super happy, this is great, to scare, to the, like there's no nuance. And what I think is interesting is, I almost think it would have been better if the mom knew ahead of when he knew that he was going to be leaving. And when he came home, the bag was already packed and she is saying goodbye because the story of Anakin, when you go through all the movies, is a story of rejection. 
He is rejected by every single close relationship he has with people. That's why he grabs onto Padme and will not let her go because of that terror of being abandoned. Um, you see it with the council wants to reject him off the bat. Yoda wants to reject him off the bat. Obi Wan uh, wants to reject him off the bat. And um, we won't talk about Mace Window. We no, we'll know. We're not gonna talk. But everything uh, in Anakin's story is a rejection, and I felt that it could have been made so much more emotional had it been starting with the mother blatantly being like, "You are going to have a good life. You're going to have this. You're going to have that. I'm sending you off for a better life." And there were just missed opportunities. And again, I'm really like, there was so much for development with Anakin's story. He even says, I had a dream. I became a Jedi. I came back and free all the slaves. That is so much room for later on of this feeling of failure that you failed in your dreams, you failed in your purpose. And what is the point now? This like nihilistic thing that just went nowhere. I also want to say one other thing. Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are Jedis with lightsabers. Why couldn't they have just taken the mom? Like, what? Um, what's what I'm going to do? They actually, they, the, will, they, will I actually explain it? I, I explain it all. See, I have, I have my slaves rigged up to explosives. If they leave the planet, I press the button, I kill them. What is so difficult to understand about that? <laughs> exactly. And um, um, and again, we also see from the outset, they don't take his mom. Yeah. The Jedi betrayed him from the beginning. And, and more importantly than that, like, so, I'm sorry, it was set up for the Jedi to take his mom. And I remember having this in my notes too. Jedi are scum um, because if Watto attempts to go back on the like Watto attempts to go back on the deal right away as soon as he wins, and um, instead, in Qui Gon was given the history by Anakin of the history of their slavery. He knows the huts well enough to know from the briefings in Tatooine they are not nice people. They are gangsters. They are vindictive. He knows all that. Why wouldn't you attempt to? For somebody who beat the huts, I want to remember this, beat the huts, immediately go to Jabba the Hutt and say, we had a deal. It's a gambling deal. Um, it was for the boy and um, for like all of this other stuff. Jabba would have taken Watto and thrown him to the curb. You could have easily had them both because Jabba would know that taking away two slaves like Qui-Gon originally wanted would hurt Watto, an enemy, more than it would help Qui-Gon, who is neutral at this point. You knew all that stuff going in Qui-Gon. And the the other thing too, like if you are worried about the midichlorians of Anakin, like if you can sense something about Anakin, just like his mom, don't take his blood in the form of like testing it for infection, don't do that. You're already shady as hell. You betray Anakin from the get-go by not going all the way, which you know you can do with Watto, and he hasn't really given you any reason not to. So, 
yeah, no, they 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 failed Anakin from the beginning. But why don't get to get the slaves? Ah! <laughs> yeah, like that. That's the ultimate issue of Anakin. Is I feel the Jake was done a disservice by not having proper support to act. Um, and then Anakin, like I said, there were so many threads there that will lead to the third movie that would make sense. So many threads of people of rejection, the Jedi betraying him, all of these other things that just don't connect. If memory serves, we'll find out, because we'll find out, but just missed opportunities to actually breathe a bit with the character. So, So with relation to Jake Lloyd, he was involved in a, he was involved in um, two movies before this and one TV movie, as well as a couple of small film roles. But uh, his biggest one where he would have gotten no experience whatsoever is Jingle All the Way. He was Arnold's kid. Um, and that, I would argue, is a better performance because look at who the director is, Chris Columbus, who knows how to get the most out of children. Um, so you've, you've got a lot of good points about Jake Lloyd. What I want to say though, about Jake Lloyd is even though he was basically given nothing to work with, he still at least tried and he, he tried very hard. He tried. He tried. Yeah. And some of the things that he was able to do, dear God, I wish Aiden Christensen could do after that. I'm sorry. But, and this is probably going to be the hottest take I have after watching that movie, Jake Lloyd and Natalie Portman have a better chemistry than Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman. Can we, can, I'm going to add a caveat. And Jake Lloyd and Natalie Portman have better chemistry as brother and sister than Hayden Christensen and Natalie well, Portman well, have you as didn't lovers. Well, you didn't even let me, you didn't even let me get into my, my own caveat here. So thank you for that. Like, okay, no, that's you were, my caveat. What's yours? I remember, I remember when I told you that you were like, no, no, that's too far. But no, listen, Jake Lloyd and Natalie Portman have a good chemistry because, well, I wouldn't even say good. I would say have a better chemistry than Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman because Jake Lloyd mercilessly hitting on Padme. Yes, it is bad. It is very bad. But at the very least, Jake Lloyd comes off as cute little kid who goes after older woman who has no chance. And I will heavily state who has zero chance whatsoever versus Hayden Christensen, 19 year old creep. I'm going off of the Weird Al, the saga begins by the way for the ages, just so you know. Hayden Christensen at the time would be 19 or Anakin would be 19, Padme would be 24. Hayden comes off through all of that movie as the crazy uncle you can't have over anymore. It is it is awful. It is scary. I, I, I went ahead and watched Attack of the Clones just so I could see if I was right about this. And oh my God, I'm not saying that Jake Lloyd and Natalie Portman have good chemistry. They don't, but it is a hell of a lot better than I'm I'm screaming at the TV. Natalie, blink twice. If you're in trouble, we will get the police. And for that reason, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. But that is my caveat there in terms yeah. of the chemistry that they have. Um, 
We're going to wrap up Anakin soon, I promise. The reason why we're focusing so much on Anakin is because you have to remember this trilogy was billed as the story of Anakin, as the, yep, the, the transition. Rise of Darth Vader. Yeah. And I, that's why we're so on the writing, because that's the source material. The oh, source yeah, material is absolutely. the writing, because it, it doesn't do that story justice. There are so many potentials that go nowhere. Um, the other thing, elephant in the room, the prophesized one and the immaculate conception. I just, yeah, I, I was like, they throw it out there. It didn't stick to the wall. So then they got rid of it. And I'm just like, no, if you were, if you were, if you were, were going to put it out there, still there, but the prophecy's still there. Yeah. But they don't, they do nothing with it. That's my point is I'm just like, you did nothing. It's just there, floating around in in space, and that wasn't good. Well, um, it, another, if I remember correctly, it took like five, six movies for them to actually do anything with it. So yeah, I'm just like it. I don't know what to say there. Um, when Anakin is rejected by the Council, they use the excuse he's too old. But when they're in that cloistered discussion beforehand, they're like. Um, He's he misses his mom. Fear leads to blah, 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 to hate, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, the kid hours ago was taken yeah. away from his mom. It like you're putting shit in his head that shouldn't be there. And then also this notion of Anakin is too emotional. He cannot join. Is that not the definition of toxic he's... masculinity? Uh, I, I wouldn't even say toxic masculinity. I would just say the definition of toxic. Yeah, because I'm like, just the, like, the, why? The kid, <laughs> why? The kid is grieving. The kid is really grieving. Um, and he, he's, he's grieving the fact that as far as he knows, he is with these um, two people. He's with these two people, a borderline moron who, if you're going by my version of Jar Jar Binks, is manipulating him at every turn and R2-D2. And if R2-D2 is the most stabilizing, best companion you could have out of that group of people, and R2 is, by the way, I love R2-D2, you have a problem in your, if this is accepting your new reality, that's, that's it. Exactly. Like, it just, it, it wasn't executed well at all. It was it really felt like a decision was made that everybody is supposed to reject Anakin. So we're just going to reject Anakin. And there's no nuance. There's no going after these threads. There's no coming back to them in any real meaningful way um, later on. Like, it's just it's a disservice to that. We've gone from a disservice to the actor to a disservice to the character. And yeah, that's kind of probably the most disappointing aspect of this. Um, now we're going to be doing another character study, but before we do that, uh, we have two things. One, weird fucking theory from Miri. Surprise, motherfuckers. And two, the pod race scene. So which do you want to do first, Nathan? Um, it's up to you. I kind of want to hear the theory because I've, I, I actually like the pod racing scene. Okay. My weird fucking theory. So here's the thing. I didn't like them over explaining the force and talking about midichlorians. Just my personal thing. I just, 
the fantasy aspect is taken out when you over explain it. Anyway. Yeah, so, that's no, something you, the OTs got right, by the way. I do remember that the original trilogy, they talked about the force, but they did not go into like midichlorians and the yeah it it was it was better just leaving it to the met for me for me personally was it the same for you like leave it up um i i gotta be honest i was a bigger fan of episodes four through six's uh interpretation of the force than one through three yeah um so anyway midichlorians are introduced and there's this line I can't remember the exact line, but paraphrasing is that you, you quiet your mind and you listen to them and they tell you stuff, right? So I read The Fireman by Joe Hill. And there's this um, humans have to learn super summation that does not do the, the book justice. Humans have to learn to live in a symbiosis with a fungus that can burn them alive or if you learn to live in symbiosis, you can use that power. So I heard that and I was like, oh my God, are midichlorians like a fungus that the Jedi have just learned to live in this symbiotic relationship with, thus allowing them to have these powers? And like, holy, holy shit, this opens up a whole new theory of like this weird symbiotic relationship with fungus in the blood? What the fuck? So yeah, that may, I'm gonna say one thing. Does not make sense, makes no sense. Kind of prefer the four, five, six interpretation, but more entertaining than just throwing midichlorians out there no. and doing nothing. <laughs> I, I will say this, even a fungus wouldn't want to live with Mace Windu. So <laughs> that, that kind of that debunks your theory right there. This is true, all right pod race scene i'm gonna summarize it in one sentence i felt it was an advertisement for the video game which admittedly is a very good video it is a very good video game i did play it it is great i'm not knocking it it just felt like it was an advertisement for better or worse for the video game that is all now you can talk about how awesome the pod racing is. Oh, thank God. Okay. Um, so here's the thing. It's more of a it's more of an issue that I'm going to have with much, much later films in the series, but the pod racing really shows just how capable Anakin is um, as a character. He boasts that he's about the only person that can do pod racing. He has the technical know-how to build a ship. It's not perfect. Um, but it's there, it's functional. He has crashed pod races before and lived to tell the tale. Um, you do have that mini rivalry with Sabalba, which for better or for worse, Sabalba to me is animated well. Um, watching back the pod racing scene, um, there is one or two spots that really get to me. One that shows Anakin's potential as a Jedi, which is really, really good. Um, prior to the start of the pod race scene, Sabalba um, sabotages Anakin's ship to the point where towards the end of the race, a power coupling um, comes loose. This is um, just at the point of where Anakin passes Sabalba by doing a huge flip off of, uh, it was off of the pit lane, huge flip off. It's fantastic. Um, but Anakin is able to instantly, using the Force subconsciously, 
stabilize that thing so we can attach it together. That is a heck of a lot better than instantly tapping into all of your force abilities whatsoever and being on the level of a dart. I'm getting ahead of myself. I do apologize. But um, those kinds of scenes are where Phantom Menace truly shines because right now it's all about character building and capacity building. Um, and that's what the pod race scene really did. Um, it shows that the Jedi aren't like these all pure, all knowing, well-meaning characters. They are very, very shady when they need to be or when they want to be. Um, it shows just how much faith that well, to an extent, Padme, but more so Anakin's friends, his family, all of that stuff have in Anakin um, to the point so that when he's taken away, the capacities that he's shown are why he's being taken away. But all of that love and support is now instantly gone. And you felt that and you know what you've that's done for Anakin, whether you want to admit it or not. One of the few things Jake Lloyd did really really well is the pure joy on his face when the pod racers start to work you feel that you felt that and it was fantastically well done and um the pod racing for what it's worth is it an advertisement for the video game possibly not gonna i'm not gonna sit here and say no no it's it's integral even though it is but um the pod racing in general was there to show Anakin's capacity, Anakin's capability. And had we got more of that for all characters, it would have been absolutely wonderful. Um, the one thing I absolutely hated about it was Jabba the Hutt totally half-assing it because I did not remember that um, from watching the movie through the first time about 20 years ago. Um, I don't believe Jabba the Hutt would do that. I believe Jabba the Hutt particularly if there was somebody who had sponsored a racer that he either owed a debt to or just plain didn't like, would be watching that racer intently and trying to call them out for any minor infraction whatsoever. So pod racing wasn't perfect, but if you are going to go back and watch The Phantom Menace, I would argue pod racing is a high point, not only from a technical standpoint, it's great, but from a character standpoint, anything building up to it is great. No, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, just one thing to mention because of my, it felt like a commercial for the game. I'm not saying the scene wasn't necessary. I'm not saying that the scene wasn't good. I'm just saying it, it definitely succeeded in making you want to be in the pod race. Yeah. It definitely succeeded in making you want to do it. And it is a very good game. I remember playing it and enjoying it. Mm. Um, the other thing I do want to touch on is there are a lot, there are many positives, many negatives in the movie and stuff. We're just trying to talk about it. If if the point was to make it a a trilogy for the story of Anakin, the fall of Anakin, the rise of Darth Vader, that's kind of the lens that we're looking at all of the characters and the plot choices through. Yeah. And are there moments? Yes but those moments are never given time to breathe. It, it should be noted that this action sequence was probably the best acting of Jake that yeah. he was allowed to do, the best show of his competence um, and his technical ability and how advanced like the character of yeah. Anakin was at the time. It's unfortunate that that was it, that there was no help with I the, would. 
No, the, like there, I, there's no help I, with the emotional stuff. That's there's what no I was help saying. With the Padme stuff. Yeah. Um, in terms of his capacity building, it is, it is there much later in the movie. Yeah, no, I, I was just meaning that. when we're talking yeah. about, I'm always going to go back to the scene yeah. where he says goodbye because it was done so badly. <laughs> okay. it, it was done so badly and I'm not blaming the actors or anything. I think the direction in the script was failing them. Um, there was there was nothing to work with. It wasn't a, an actual goodbye. But that that's the thing is um, the pod race scene does actually help a lot. And here's the big thing. It's fun. Yeah. You actually want to watch There's it. There's so and, much. There's so you, much in this movie you've that is slogged a... through an hour to get yeah. here. Like it's it's fun. I need it. Like, you need something. Yeah, like and the other thing is I do want to say um one of the justifications given for a lot of the toilet humor and stuff like that was it's for the kids. It's for the kids. And I think a lot of people don't remember that when before this movie came up, leading up to this movie, there was an unprecedented amount of merchandise. Un oh, yeah. Disney didn't even know how like Disney merchandising didn't even touch this film's merchandising. It was insane. So when I hear for the kids, I can't help but think that that was a cover to be for the merchandise. And that is probably where my own bias comes from out of the pod race scene is because I'm just like, there are pod race scene is necessary, but, but there are so many other unnecessary things that just feel like we wanted this product to sell. So we're showcasing it at the movie. And that, that just kind of tainted it a bit for me, but that's my own bias. I still think it's a good scene. And Nathan's very right on the emotional competence character building of Anakin. And it's hilarious that it takes place in this scene. <laughs> like yeah, it's, to, it's wonderful. to me, it's hilarious. It, 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 is, it is a wonderful scene. Okay, now they leave the planet. We get into politics. This is where we're bringing back yeah. This is where we're bringing back the trade agreement. This is where we're bringing back Palpatine. I, I we did oh, our spoiler now, alert. Now remember, remember, we had ten minutes of fun, so you damn well better luck to trade stuff now. Yeah, that's basically what it was. We woke you up. Now we're going to the we're going to the Senate. All right, so, all right, all right, all right. If you didn't like Jar Jar trying to take the fruit off of the mom's plate, if you didn't like the trade stuff before, we gave you pod racing. Nobody doesn't like pod racing. Now, back to Viceroy and Palpatine, our true favorite people. Yeah. Um, what was it? Back to CPAT, C-SPAM, you know, the, <laughs> the, gov the government channel. Back to C-SPAM. Um, so. Good, good. Let the hate flow through you. <laughs> so missed opportunity that, that I felt was here. I get this vibe that Palpatine is given kind of a pseudo- more evil Julius Caesar plotline and development. And that Anakin is given the Mark Anthony kind of treatment as well. Um, and this is just seeing the first movie. I, unlike Nathan, I haven't gone ahead to rewatch. I just like seeing the first movie, 
it feels like those are the threads that are trying to happen here. If memory serves, they go nowhere slash are not done justice at all. Um, and then what I also think going back to Anakin's character development arc overall, um, you have this notion that he he faces rejection at all strides, no matter how much he tries. The more he tries, the more he loses. That happens all the time. Just like the pod racing, huge success. Guess what? You're leaving your entire like family, everything you've ever known, all your friends, your support network, bye bye. Hey, Annie, congratulations! I sold you. <laughs> exactly. We have no time to breathe with that. But when you take that into context, you can see why Anakin would be like Palpatine takes action. Palpatine uh, wants to create a universe where everybody is happy for better or worse, because the, obviously for worse, but where he believes everybody is in a happy symbiosis, even though they're really not. And so to Anakin, that feeds into this notion of no one's going to leave me. And then when you go through four, five, and six, you get this arc of, we have the fallen chosen one. The chosen one rises up, kills Palpatine, and he dies, restoring balance to the force. And not to get too far ahead, then nine basically spits all over that. Um, <laughs> if I can't talk about it, you can't. Yeah, so I'm not going to talk. But that's the thing, is I'm watching this first movie and I'm just like, We've got this Julius Caesar, Mark Anthony thing already here. And I don't remember it continuing at all. Like, I don't, do you? Um, it does to an extent. That, that's, that's what I will say. Um, I did on like on viewing of Attack of the Clones, like pri like prior, prior, I cannot. I can honestly say I didn't see it. Looking back on Attack of the Clones now, having watched it a couple of days ago, and have and probably will watch it again, like this, like before this time next week, you can see it. It is. It is there to an extent. It's in terms of particularly what Anakin values in leadership. Yeah, and it's. But it's just. It was such an interesting realization for me to be like this is what they were trying to go for and again i just don't think they gave it time to breathe that's all like i a lot of stuff they don't give time to breathe in this that's, movie that's we must suffocate you we must suffocate you so that happens queen of medalla is like fuck this, I'm getting my people safe. Goes back to the planet. And then it leads into um, big fight on the plains. The um, Naboo people oh, running to, uh, to the um, spaceships to knock out the thing that is controlling droids. And big yeah. lightsaber. I, I remember the lightsaber fight at the end of this movie being the big deal. So yeah, it was, this, it was. this is what we're talking about now. We have droids and the um, uh, we we have, we have big fights. We have We have the droid army. Um, versus we've got the lightsaber fight, and we've got the space we've got, fight. We've we've got the space fight, and we've got Annie and R two. 
Yeah. So it's there's a lot happening. Um, I I had a funny take on the uh, the lightsaber fight, but Nathan has points about the droid battle on the um, Windows save screen planes. <laughs> so let's go over oh and Nathan. Oh my god! So so this fight is wonderful. First of all. Points to Jar Jar being an evil Sith Lord. Remember, this guy is exiled. He comes back with three people to go and get the Gungan army together to join this thing. Comes back with three people. One of them is a queen who kneels to her feet. And by the way, if I can criticize Natalie Portman for anything, it's going to be the same thing I criticized Carrie Fisher for in episode four. She does this um, dignified British accent. I don't know if you see it through through uh, Phantom or not, but oh, okay. it's totally so there. I did research on this. Yeah. Um. So for firstly, I, I'm going to say this to people. I am a huge fan of Carrie Fisher. I love her. I think she was the greatest wit of this century. I've read all of her stuff. I've listened to all of. I've seen her half plays of, half live. Half of the notes she said, half the notes she sent about this movie were for Leia. I'm like, dude, you get it. You love her, yay. Yeah, but it's it's because I love Carrie Fisher. So yeah. Carrie Fisher, um, she actually her mother just randomly went, "I'm sending you to theater school in England." Um, to, you know, bring some prestige to the family because yeah. that's what you do. Oh, for those of you who don't know, Carrie Fisher is actually the daughter of Eddie Fisher, who is a very famous singer, and um, Demi Reynolds, who um, I think she even won Oscars and Glob Golden Globes. She was very famous as well. Um, so when she came in to do Star Wars, she was fresh out of that theater school <laughs> where they made her talk like that. So she actually freely admits that it's a weird fucking voice. Yeah. But when it comes to Natalie Portman, they paired her with dialect coaches and she was studying, she was to study um, the cadences of people like uh, Catherine Hepburn and um, anybody with that transatlantic accent, which just so everybody knows that transatlantic non-colloquial non accent was started in Toronto. So yay Canadians. Cause we hey, never we're get... doing great, eh? Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so just like a little background on that, which I found interesting. I don't think it was a very good choice. No, <laughs> I don't. No, no, it wasn't. I'm, and I'm glad that Portman dropped that when we get to Attack of the Clones and uh, Revenge of the Sith. She, for the most part, dropped it. Um, and like he comes back. But anyway, Jar Jar comes back with these three people, Qui-Gon Jinn, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and Padme, Padme beckons to them to go. And all of a sudden, everything about Jar Jar Binks totally changes. Um, he is seen as this, um, like instead of being seen as this exile, no, Jar Jar Binks is a hero for bringing these three people here to get us to go fight in a war so that we will maybe have an ally if we win. By the way, we're probably gonna lose just based off of the droid army in itself. Um, so that in itself, I'm like, nobody can rise that quickly um, and actually have respect all the way through from the Gungans if you're watching this. Um, 
Jar Jar, however, in this fight is actually really interesting if you want to go with my theory. Um, he does a lot of uh, drunken wushu kung fu, which is a Don't you don't don't call it drunken wushu kung fu. It absolutely was not, and I will fight you on it. You can say it was a <laughs> bastardization of drunken wushu kung fu, but it absolutely I didn't say it was, is I not. Didn't say, I didn't say it was good. Did it's I? a bastardization you just, of it. You just, it is a bastardization of yeah, it. Yeah, but you you just you just jumped on me. I I didn't even say it was good. I'm just saying that's what they're going for, the drunken wushu kung fu. So anyway, horribly. Jar- it is executed horribly. So it, Jar Jar <laughs> You know what? Now you know what? Now I'm just going to say it. Jar Jar Binks does a masterful job of oh, executing fuck the, you. Drunken, fuck uh, the you. drunken wushu kung fu. Um and you can and see here, that from here the- I was gonna say nice things about the lightsaber fight later. <laughs> now, oh, fuck I've, got, you. I've, got, I've got things to say about that too. But um, so Jar Jar is uh, flailing around doing stuff like kip ups. Again, people are wondering, oh my god, what a masterful job this Jar Jar Binks is doing. I can't even keep straight this now. <laughs> um. But, um, you know, it's a fighting style that is basically designed around subversion of expectation. And it's done really, really well. Um, What's more interesting to me is Jar Jar was able to successfully both sabotage his own army and actively come out a hero, senator, all of that stuff. This fight... Oh my God, they have the worst. This is where I agree with Miri on the CG aspect of this movie. It is totally the Windows background. You've got a bunch of Gungans um, fighting to their death. The Gungans, because of the amount of them, aren't animated all that well, unless your name is Jar Jar Banks. And um, the droids themselves, and especially the ships, I I can forgive Star Wars for a lot of things. This is what took me out of the movie. Um, so they're going. So they're going in, um, fighting, absolutely fighting, fighting like mad. Um, obviously, your droid army's winning. Jar Jar gets a battle droid stuck to him, manages to somehow shoot eight people with his foot. If you're not telling me he's a Sith Lord, you're crazy. Um, but it's it is probably the worst fight in the trilogy just because it is so overblown to its own detriment. How do we defeat the droid army? Spinning ball, um, balls of death. Oh, sweet balls of death, that's a perfect idea. You know, at least with the Ewoks in episode six, which have a lot of the same criticisms as the Gungans and Jar Jar Binks, at least you can say they are using practical things they are taking control of enemy machines. They are using things around them and they can be taught and teamed by actual war generals. Not somebody who is thrust into the role and somehow has the respect of everyone, which makes no sense unless he's a Sith Lord. No sense whatsoever. But it is it is such a masterful job at how bad a fight scene can be. Now that we've gotten to the bad fight scene, which nobody should ever watch, like, or the fact that I had to watch it caused me great pain, let's talk about <laughs> the good stuff. Can, can we call that fight the planes of win- windows? Yes! 
Yes! Yes, <laughs> we can! The of windows! Yes. The planes of windows! <laughs> now I actually have to make a... We're, we're, now I'm gonna actually have to make a commercial for the planes of windows. <laughs> um, Hello! Mr. Chop thing! Oh, no! Help you! And you thought Clippy was bad! Oh, Hello! <laughs> <laughs> Can you do it as Glippy? That would be hilarious. <laughs> Presented for your consideration. Hello, I'm Clippy. You thought I was bad. But your Windows experience could have been far, far, far worse. During the development of Windows ME, we had another option available. And he was absolutely horrible. Hello, How can I help you today? I'm I'm searching for, you know, the TVO Kids crew. Would you like to install Bouncy Buddy? What 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 do what even is oh, that? God, no, no. Oh, <laughs> love you. Here is the email saying how much Musa love you. Subject line, Musa love you. Okay. Oh man, that was creepy. Um so now <clears throat> we're we're going you to asked the, for it. we're going for the saber fight, right? It doesn't matter whether you go for the saber fight or the or the space fight. I don't care okay. which one. You know what? Let's do the space fight where Anakin gets his trench run. What I love about it is that it's an internal trench run that is different than your episode 4 and episode 6 run um to certain other directors out there i uh, you know who had this franchise who are much much later i want to say this is how you do a nostalgic <laughs> space fight and don't do it exactly the same as movies that happened 20 30 years ago because throwing okay. shade right now major shade has been thrown <laughs> Um, but anyway, aside from those directors that I want to say did something so much worse than this movie, um, aside from that, um, it was really well done having Anakin. Again, the ship is on autopilot. It's got all of its directions because Anakin was somehow shot out of the sky and the place was heavily damaged. It was Anakin and R2 that accidentally got into the internal of the ship to shut down the droid transmitter but again accidental not intentional like giving them every force power under the Anakin you gotta wait R2. till we get there you gotta wait Anakin, till we get there Anakin and R2 um, somehow managed to save, to save the ship and everyone um, the other thing there, I want to mention I do want to mention there is a, a it is a very cute and endearing dynamic between Anakin and R2 Yes, yes I, I actually I I did enjoy that. I thought that was like very I, endearing. I think anything with R two though is fantastically done, regardless of director. Like spo spoiler alert, right now, um, one of the one of my favorite scenes in all of Star Wars is Luke's reunion with R two in Episode Eight. Um, no, it's it's R two is a truly magical character. Yes, like, he is. It's. But yeah, it was a very, very endearing interaction. Also, again, like the pottery scene, fun. Yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of wish it wasn't intercut with the two other scenes, such as the planes of windows, but <laughs> it was <Hello>. very fun. <laughs> Listen, you're clipper. 
god! I'm never gonna get I'm never gonna get tired of that now. No, you're not. <laughs> you're, gonna, you're gonna you're gonna see me on other podcasts. I'm gonna be hello. Um. um so but, what else about this this space battle? So it's not like the the other parts of the space battle are fine. You're trying to take out shield generators. You're doing anything that you can do in order to do that. I don't think it's done as well as episode four or episode sixes at all. But that's because of the CG and the effects. Yeah, um, I, the, I have to I have to admit, um, we'll see if I hold this same opinion after rewatching four, five and six. I felt that there were quite a few things that looked more realistic in four, five, and six than in one, two, three. Yeah. Just just because the the at the end of the day, the models are real. So they look real and they feel real and they come off as more real. And that is not to say that it wasn't a massive technical achievement. We are we are not here to disparage anything like that. It's just it's just how it came off. <laughs> well, what, what's great isn't about the space battle itself, but about the ground battle um, trying to get into the... I'm, I'm not sure if this is... Was this the Viceroy one? Or was this... No, it was Attack of the Clones. It was Viceroy. But either way, what I love about this is uh, Padme's battle style and um, what her reliance is, because it makes a lot of sense. She's not the best shot in the world. Um, and she, her entire arc is based around subversion and duplication. So whenever both in this movie and in other movies, she's leading a battalion. If that battalion ever gets captured or stopped in any way, all of a sudden, here's the real queen with another battalion of troops. It's a very intelligent plan. It is. It is. All the way through. And I wish we have gotten that Padme in future instances, but here it's done really well to show just, again, her competencies as a character. We see her introspection. We see why she is queen at mm -hmm. the age of 14. But, um, and we see that, but we don't see what is she going to do afterwards? Well, she could be a general, she could be a senator, she could be anything that she wants to be. Um, you know, she lacks a lot of emotional intelligence, but that isn't displayed here. Uh, that's more Attack of the Clones, and I will get into that when Attack of the Clones happens, but... Yeah, no, I do I do have to meet, admit, they kind of set Padme up and then go nowhere with her yeah, in the next two movies, which they is... Which is exceedingly unfortunate. Um, I will say though, her wardrobe throughout all three movies is it's fantastic. Yeah. And it, it kudos to the people who made them because um, I've seen breakdowns on people who make accurate reproductions of those. It is literally hundreds of hours of work and research yeah. to make just one article of clothing. Yeah, absolutely. So, so do you wanna do you wanna take the lightsaber battle? Because I've got two things I need to say right off the bat with it. Then I'll let you. Then I'll let you have your little Miri parade. Oh. But, but, <laughs> Let's. Let, but, what I I'm going to say one thing about it right now, um, before I get into. So I know how much Nathan likes this scene. So I actually have three oh, nitpicky don't. questions. Yes. <laughs> three nitpicky questions just for him, just because of this. What I will say is, it is 
aside from some of the the um the gravity issues like in terms of weight when they land out of certain things being a slightly off it is a fantastically choreographed scene it's yeah, it- it's beautiful choreography you are showing off because the the guy who's um who's darth maul he's a stuntman he you are showing off what he can do um he clearly worked really well with um yeah. ewan mcgregor and liam and, neeson yeah especially ewan mcgregor oh and can oh my we, god can we talk about the music for that scene oh my god like Oh, who was it? John it, Williams. They brought John yes, Williams yeah, back. Yeah, they brought they fucking brought John, Williams, John back. Williams. Like, oh my god, that that fight scene score just—that's one for the ages. I, holy shit. So all I really wanted to say before the mirror parade was shout out to uh, Ray Park, who is the stuntman and the suit actor for Darth Maul. Some of the stuff he is able to pull off with Neeson and especially McGregor, and with that dual-ended lightsaber is some is something to behold because that could not have been easy going through all of that with all of that it's it, it is brilliant i i remember seeing a video of him from a uh, fan expo yep. and somebody happened to have um, a actual training staff and they gave it to him and then this circle happens and he shows off like super casually, yep. super casually shows off. And then, of course, he says, I um, of course, he says, and with practice, you can do that, too. <laughs> it's just like it's true, but it's also really humorous to me that he said it like that. Don't worry, you just need ten thousand hours of practice. Yeah, like it's fun. <laughs> but it, but it is true. Being being a person who hangs around with like a lot of physical people in physical arts and stuff like that, when you're asked what secret, how do I do that? Nine times out of ten, they're gonna say practice, because. that's that's really all it is it's practice so but it's also a funny response but yeah no it's a it's a beautiful scene it really is yeah no it's it's fantastic the other the other nitpicky thing i will say about it before miri gets to the miri parade on this scene where i will defend the scene with but to the death um qui-gon jinn's death Let's let's talk about that a little bit. That was one of my nitpicky questions. He bops him on the nose and stabs and him. The, and then stabs him. Okay. And I'm like, you are you are a Jedi with the force and you lose because somebody bops you on the nose. Yeah, I it could have been a better choice. Yeah. Um, and the, and then as soon as he stabs you get the no but none of that is really earned. And I know we haven't talked about this very much and we will get into it with later movies because I think later movies did this better. Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan never really felt to me like that teacher and student relationship. It felt like two separate work colleagues who barely interacted but could get stuff done well together. Needless to say, Obi-Wan was Qui-Gon's Padawan and you know uh, and in like future movies there's a lot of respect between obi-wan and qui-gon um except when it came to the jedi code which obi was a lot more hard stringent on 
I would have liked to have gone into that a little bit more than what they would have done. And some of the stuff where Qui-Gon is basically ordering around Obi-Wan could have been explained a lot more in character moments. You could have done so much more with those scenes. And again, that's kind of where the writing falls flat. Um, I want to know why immediately when when Qui-Gon says, hey, I found a kid. I think he's pretty good, man. We're going to take him away. Um, why Obi didn't reject to the ethical reasons as to why not take a kid, but He's like, why the hell are we taking a kid? You've already got you've already got a Padawan, and besides, he sounds like a douche. And when Obi meets Annie for the first time, Obi's like, okay, cool. Hi, my name's Obi Wan. I don't give a crap about you. I almost feel like they were trying to go for the older brother, younger brother relationship, and just but didn't, it doesn't didn't, work. No, it but they didn't work. give any writing aspect. They're also yeah. kind of ignoring the fact that like. Obi-Wan is about to become a Jedi master. Like yeah, Obi-Wan he, is he's going not, to take the trial soon. Yeah, and like if he was acting like that, then that's going to go we're getting way too deep into this. I know I'm about to get too deep into this. But that goes into the question of how come Obi-Wan who's been through all this training still has these irrational emotions, but that's fine. He can become a Jedi master, but Anakin misses his mom. And that's like, oh no, he can't be one of us. Like it just, it doesn't, you need consistency in your world. You need consistency. Like it's- With you there, with you there, totally there. Um, Yeah, no, the the only thing I can think of is they were trying to make it a a older brother, younger brother situation, but that doesn't really work for this. It doesn't doesn't make sense. It didn't work for that film. It certainly doesn't work for the trilogy. And if Obi-Wan still has these, as you call them, irrational emotions, then is he truly ready to be a Jedi Master? Spoiler alert! I hope that's something that Obi-Wan gets into, but it probably won't. The new Disney Plus series. But anyway, I, I, I've said my piece. I can't, I can't wait for Miri's fun run. Yeah, okay. I do want to say, because we mentioned series, uh, Mando's a good one. I really like the book of Boba Fett and I want to do a shout out to the amazing combination of puppetry, makeup, costume sets, and CGI and animation. And also I do want to do a big shout out if you haven't seen the video on how they're using an LED backdrop. It is fucking gorgeous and genius. And I, I think it's one, it, it's an incredible innovation i think it's beautiful and that's that's me nerding out um so now that we've had that lovely break miri's fun run so miri's fun run (laughs) i want to be perfectly clear aside from like just a couple issues i had with um the gravity in a landing not making sense choreography is beautiful the the ending of this of the fight seemed a little lazy but now we get into my my fun run of weird nitpicky things just to make Nathan angry. So <laughs> weird nitpicky thing just to make Nathan angry. Number one, the room they go into makes absolutely no yeah. sense. It doesn't fit in with any of the architecture. Yeah. I don't know what goes on in that room. I don't know why it is there. I don't understand 
why those force field things are there. And it reminded me of a scene from Galaxy Quest with the clankers and Sigourney Weaver's characters like, what? Why is this even here? This makes no sense. Whoever wrote this episode should die. Like that was so me looking at the background. I was like, this makes what the fuck? Where are we? I don't get it. (laughs) So the only things I can think of in order to defend this, because this one is a good point, is um, maybe there is some sort of stock or storage or something that is really, really hard pressed that can be found back there. That's why the force fields are there. That's why the rays are. The other thing it could be is I'm not really sure if it'd be a hangar bay, but imagine if you're doing entrance or engine maintenance, because it is towards the end area or something like that, but that's the only thing I can think You are of. stretching. You are I, I know. <laughs> you I know are I'm so stretching. stretching. I, I said, I said th- those are the only things that I can think the- of that it could be, because it, it, you're right. That room makes zero sense whatsoever. That one doesn't make me mad, because I share a lot of your opinions, yeah. but if you want me to defend this scene to the death, that's kind of what I have to do. <laughs> I, I love that. I do want to say, though, as, when as, they for, sh- as for what goes back there, have you ever been on the outer rim, eh? <laughs> um, I do want to say I probably would have forgiven it had I not seen an exterior shot that showed an area outside the building with the same kind of bridge structure by a waterfall. So they oh, literally, yeah. I'm like, you could have just put it there. You could have eh. just put it there and you would have had the eh, same There's a thing. reason that they know death sticks are bad, eh? <laughs> um... Okay, nitpicky thing. <laughs> Number two, which we've already heard and you've already addressed, but I have to mention it again. What the fuck happened to the Jedi Force running? What the fuck? So again, I will say this again because clearly you don't understand. Jedi Force <laughs> run requires a lot of focus to be able to do properly. <laughs> So if Obi-Wan is concerned because his master and mentor figure has just died, he is in a panic because he knows he is going to have to face Darth Maul. Why the hell would he even think subconsciously about force running? Remember, Obi-Wan is a Padawan. He is not perfect yet. That is what I will say. And force run has been used before, mostly in the games and it at different points in this scene by different characters. This moment has been brought to you by Mansplaining by Nathan, which I successfully got him to do twice. Uh Uh-huh. 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 Oh, congratulations! Uh Oh my goodness gracious! And all you have to do is mention toxic masculinity once! I know! Congratulations! You are ahead of the game! Congratulations! (laughs) How many more times would it take to do that, huh? Um, okay. Number three, my nitpicky, this is the last one, number three. So I had a question about Qui-Gon's death and it actually isn't about the 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 hit to the nose. It's not about that. So the lightsaber stabs through him. It's in his lower midsection. It's not going through the heart or anything. Now a lightsaber is hot, so I assume it would cauterize as it's cutting. So my question is, wouldn't he have had about a couple hours or so before he bled out and died because it's cauterized? <laughs> um, 
to get him medical attention so then he didn't have to die because again he's also there's no bubbling at the mouth to indicate that like it's his lungs are filling so again no vital organs are sorry i should say no organs that would cause close to or immediate death are hit so again i don't understand why he died so quickly Um, now, now here the big question maybe, is: Is Nathan me. currently going on WebMD? No, 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 Nathan, Nathan, Nathan's not going to. No, um, when Nathan looks at Star Wars movies, he looks at uh, some uh, Benson, a Beth Um, because yes, I I hear you on Qui Gon's death entirely. The only thing I can think of is. Qui-Gon throughout the entire story, at least to me, um, was portrayed as somebody who wanted to go against the grain and impart that knowledge onto like his um, Padawans and basically the Jedi Code, challenge conventions, other items like that. Um, Qui-Gon was the only one to look at um, Anakin's mother with any sort of sympathy whatsoever. I would argue that any other Jedi, especially Mace Windu, would be like, oh, geez, I'm Samuel Jackson. Take him away. Um, spoiler alert, I love Mace Windu. He, he very clearly, especially in Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith, Mace Windu makes total sense. Um, um, we're we're going to get into it, but I just want to let but, you all know in the next two um, reviews we do, because you mentioned Mace Windu, we get into Miri's theory that Sam Jackson just showed up on set one day and started <laughs> improvising. Well, that'd be the only way it makes sense. For God's sakes, he's the only one that doesn't, that doesn't um, address Yoda as Master Yoda in the entirety of that trilogy. Even Darth Sidious addresses him as Master Yoda. There is a level of respect you have to have. Yeah, and Sam Jackson is one bad motherfucker. Like, what could you want me to say? Okay, so I I know this is for a completely different topic. I know I'm derailing. I don't care. I want to get into this now. Why in the heck would you say, um, or why in the heck would you suggest telling the council and you you're going to see this in attack of the clones that your ability to use the force aka the thing that keeps you strong and revered that your ability to use that is diminished and why didn't yoda bitch slap him and take away his position on the council for even saying that so just so you all know this is a preview of uh, our <laughs> retrospective on Attack of the Clones, <laughs> yeah, yeah. this is this is Na- that is Nathan's no. major gripe with it. We oh. we will get to mine. Don't you worry, people. Oh yeah, but, um, but but since we've kind of hit the end of Miri tries to piss off Nathan with really nitpicky uh, questions. Um, I'm going to say we aren't going to talk about our ranking until the very last episode again, just because we want to watch all of them and see how we rank them. Um, what I will say is, same bat time, same bat channel, um, and we'll be going over this. I have one final bit to talk about. This is the last bit at the end of the movie. So, Obi-Wan becomes a Jedi Master. 
he says he's going to honor his master's dying request and bring young Skywalker on as an apprentice. My biggest question here, and this goes into something that you're going to hear a lot from Nathan in the next two, is Jedi are scum. And this is this is my big thing is I'm just like, I actually have it written down. Yoda, what is your problem? Like you're fearing Anakin because you can't see his future. Stuff is clouded. And it seems like not knowing the future means you're afraid of the potential of Anakin. And so then that makes me go, well, why are you allowed to make these decisions based on fear? But a child who legitimately went through a traumatic separation from his mom, whether or not he wanted to separate is regardless, it's a hard thing to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, You're judging him, but you're clearly afraid. So I, again, I don't understand the logic there. Fear, and it's fear not- leads to, it's Fear not, leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to dark side. <sighs> But does Yoda not fear the potential of Oh, Anakin? no, he does. And th- that's the thing is I'm just like, I have no problem with it if you keep your reasoning consistent. And the other thing is the writing is not good enough for me to say, well, that's the point. The point is that they're not being consistent for Anakin. Well, the writing isn't strong enough to show me that it's a purposeful decision. <laughs> that that's, the, that's my issue with it. I wondered how you felt about that ending. Um... No, you you are. Um, so I've got a problem with it from two perspectives. One is from Obi's because I know that Obi Obi Wan wants to honor his master's dying wish, but again, there isn't anything that shows their level of kinship and camaraderie as much as Obi lecturing Qui Gon on the importance of the Jedi Council and the Jedi Code. What Obi is suggesting to do is very very much against the Jedi Code. Um, and you know, this, this comes out of left field and I'm like, I get what you're going for here. But again, the writing and the character establishments, the character dynamics aren't good enough to really focus on having a motivation like that for Obi-Wan. It comes off as very superficial. Um, and that being said, when it comes to, when it comes to Yoda, um, I'm 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 with you. I'm on board with that explanation entirely. That Yoda fears the potential of Anakin. Remember, um, and I I don't know if it's um, episode five or episode six, and I completely forget this. Um, Yoda st- or uh, Luke asks Yoda flat out, "Does he is the dark side stronger?" And Yoda, again, he, it's almost like he hesitated. I may be remembering this completely incorrectly because I haven't gone and seen the original trilogy yet in quite some time. Um, but again, the dark side is something that Yoda fears more than anything in general. And again, as you mentioned, the Jedi took a kid away from his home Um for his mother who is still a slave even though they had every option to free her i don't know how much i can agree with that from a great standpoint of 
you know, be an honorable, great warrior that you guys were portrayed to be in episode four through six. And the more that I watch stuff like this, and the more that I watch particularly the prequel trilogy, if Luke Skywalker had have gone back after episode six and seen what they had done to his father, to his father, for God's sakes, you can understand a lot more of the cynical background. So thank you for making episode eight better for me. But no, I'm I'm completely with you on the Yoda thing. Yeah. So it's um I think in conclusion, there's a lot of strengths. There's a lot of innovation in this movie. I think yes. where it falls for us comes out of um lack of character development through the writing. It's very much reliant on the actors doing their own thing. And remember, at the time, acting in basically a green box, quite new. So it's that difficult challenges for those with little limited theater experience. Um, But again, it still goes back to the writing of we we don't have enough time to breathe with the characters to feel what they're doing to feel these emotions to understand them there's a lot of threads that seem to go for subtext but it's not obvious enough it's not displayed enough um i think yes the the overall rendered effects do did not age well they didn't age well but they should be given kudos when put in the time period for just how innovative that was. Um, I'm also trying to think of, I kind of think I would have had a more positive opinion of this movie if I didn't know it was part of the nine. If it was like its own thing, okay. But the fact that it's part of this overarching story and meant to build us up, like you already know who Darth Vader is. You already know who his kids are. Like, this is the beginning of that. Yeah. And it didn't feel like a beginning. Yeah, it, but, it, it, that, but that's somebody, more where it, where it fell for me. Yeah. But I would argue to somebody who hasn't seen the trilogy of stuff before, it could very well feel that way. When we go into that movie, like, at least I know when you went in and when I went in at whatever age we were, like 11 or 12 for you, nine for me going into this movie we'd already seen the original trilogy we know how the story ends and this was more about you know the story beginning and from our perspective we don't need to see that for somebody who's looking at this from the perspective of i want to go down i want to sit at disney plus i'm a seven or eight year old kid i've seen maybe star wars rebels on tv and i want to see what happens like what the characters are doing what like where the big meat and potatoes came from that this was built off of as a beginning, it does an okay job. Um, I, I don't want to sit here and say that the movie falls flat or that the movie is bad because believe it or not, I respect this as a movie. I really oh, truly do. S- same outside thing, of, same outside thing. of its effects, outside of its effects. I do. Um, the pod racing scene is really well done. Some of the relationships like Anakin and R2 are really well done in this movie. Um, Some of the things that you complained about, um, like Jake Lloyd and Natalie Portman, I think were done a lot better than any of us gave it credit for then or now, just because of how authentic that chemistry was, as bad as it was, and it was. 
Um, I think the lightsaber fights were cool. I think the space battles were well done. Where the movie falls flat. Oh, and I'm sorry, I will defend Jar Jar Binks' animation to this day. I his don't have a problem with the nuts his, and his bolts an, of it. His I animation do... is wonderful. He is expressive. He he is wonderful. I, I agree with you. I'm just saying the final rendered product yeah. sticks yeah. out like a sore thumb. That's yeah. all. But but I have to defend the I have to defend the animation where it's good. And on Jar Jar, the animation is very good. Um the places where this movie falls flat for me is in the characterization. I remember yes. going back and reading through my notes for pre-watch this if they had tempered Ahmed Best by about 15% and added in more subtlety to his delivery. I would argue take that back by about 30%. I forgot how balls off the walls wacky he was. It could have worked a lot better. Remember anything that was put in there for the kids has a lot of subtlety to it, especially in the original trilogy. Remember, people were leveling the argument against the Ewoks. People were leveling an argument against R2-D2 and 3PO. R2-D2 especially is one of the most beloved characters in all the franchise, simply because he is a genius. He swears like a sailor yeah. and, and, yeah. Um, no, I and he is one of the things that is endearing regardless of character age, or character dynamic you all have a healthy amount of respect for r2 um spoiler alert i put this in my um pre-thoughts for empire there is a reason why even anakin in full-blown the jedi or evil darth vader mode would not dare touch r2d2 he orders r2 to stay with the ship he does not want r2 anywhere close to where he's going to be potentially overseeing the rise of an empire or killing Obi-Wan or like killing Padme, whatever. He will not touch R2-D2. And there's a reason for that. But um, aside... Yeah. yeah, sorry. No, I was just going to say, I think what I'm hearing from you and what I'm hearing from me is it's all right. It's not yeah. a shit movie. No, it's just no. there were so many little seeds of potential that kind of just went nowhere yep. and the movie would have benefited greatly from oh absolutely absolutely more breath on the characters a little bit more time on the characters and a uh, you know what i'm like, just gonna say out, a, a script out. doctor basically yeah would have exactly. benefited from a script doctor like cut it like i want to mention the fan cut of the phantom menace where they took out a lot of the trade stuff and jar jar binks it flows better as a movie. It's more cinematic as a movie. If you take that fan cut and you get rid of you get rid of the trade war because the trade war at the end of the day in this movie doesn't do a heck of a lot where you have faults of characterization that could have easily been solved if you had taken that time, greatly cut out that and given that time to the characters and see how they develop. So that's no, I agree with you. That's um, me. That's me. So that's our that's our final say on on one. Um, looking forward to two again. Join us again and and 
Join us on this journey to find out, will our first and last place switch? And if it does, no. we are both going to be so depressed. <laughs> oh God, I hope it doesn't. I no. I have this 10% no. this fear that it might happen. And I'm going to be no. so upset if it does. I'm going to be so no. upset. <laughs> no! No! That's not true. That's impossible. Oh man. All right. I got to leave it to Nathan yeah. to do a little sign off here. That sounds all professional. Take it away. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for uh, agreeing to come on this ride with us, whether you're listening to us uh, via Final Cut, Death Pixie, or Clam Jammers. Um, we genuinely want to thank you for your time and consideration. Um, Miri and I put um, a lot of work into it, but all of that means nothing without you people um, watching and listening to this. And whether or not you agree with us or not, remember, these are our opinions. They are not God, as much as we want them to be, they are not. Um, and you are free to enjoy these movies or not enjoy these movies, however the heck you see fit. At the end of the day, these movies are out there as art pieces to be interpreted and enjoyed, however the heck you want them to be or need them to be. That being said, thank you so much for the one fan we have that is still here. Um, if you want to talk to us more just as a uh, collective about Star Wars or pretty well anything really, if you want to commission me for any voiceover stuff, come talk to us at www.deathpixie.ca. Search up our contact us link. Um, look at uh, our YouTube, our Vimeo. Um, I'm sure we've got Twitter up. Um, whether it be writing or whether it be uh, voiceover or acting, we love what we do and we hope you guys do too. Um, if you want to learn more about Final Cut, you can find uh, Final Cut on Facebook, Twitter, um, and just about anywhere else that they will not let me because I'm not social. I am not social media savvy, but I know we're on TikTok. I've seen myself on there for God's sakes. I don't know why, um, but just at the end of the day, enjoy these movies enjoy what they mean to you enjoy the joy that they bring to you or enjoy the rage that they bring to you but at the end of the day good luck to all of you and may the force be with you <laughs>